Well, if you're feeling uh, if you're feeling antsy about uh, where we're going to end up in the scriptures, and you want to start turning, especially since it wasn't in the E News this week, we're going to be in Matthew chapter four to begin. Before we get there, I wonder how many times I have to say the sermon today is going to be a little different before you guys just begin expecting me to do something a little different every week. But just in case it's one more, it's going to be a little different today. I, uh, I have to say, I, uh, we have a wonderful church, and we have, loved, we have loved every minute of getting to know you and getting to know our church and our ministries in the... Uh, we're coming up on six months, right? April, May, June, July, August. September will be six months that we've been here, which seems like it's really flown right by. Um, my brother and my soon-to-be sister-in-law were with us last week, and uh, my sister-in-law, almost sister-in-law, uh, was talking to Rachel after church and just had wonderful things to say about you folks. And she said, even before people knew that I was part of your family and that I was related to the pastor, so many people came up and talked to me and were interested in me and um, just were friendly. And, and she had wonderful things to say about you. Um, so thank you for that on a personal note, but also as your pastor, that's always a good thing to hear that we're welcoming, that we're not so stuck in getting to church and seeing all of our friends that we want to reconnect with, that we miss new people who walk through the door. Um, so I thank you for that, and I think that that's a, a wonderful thing. I also know, as someone who has been new to the church myself, uh, organizationally, it is sometimes a little more difficult to figure things out here. Um, and this is, this is tying into the message today. Uh, I've been basically working 30, 40, sometimes more, sometimes less hours per week here for almost six months, and there's still been a few things that I have recently learned about that we do or ways that we do things and things like that. Uh, we have an amazing church, and we do a number of amazing things. Uh, but what we're going to talk about today a little bit is just how we focus those things. Now, before I say anything else that comes from me or appears to come from me, uh, let's, let's get into the Word and see what the Word has to say about it. Our primary image that we're going to talk about today comes from Matthew chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers... Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately... They left the boat and their father and followed him. So in these few verses, we have a, a lot of imagery, a lot of examples of what it means to follow Jesus. One of the things we see is this idea that Jesus comes and as soon as he speaks to these men and, and tells them, calls them, asks them to leave behind what they are doing, leave behind their life's work, and instead follow him, they do so immediately. As they have recognized that he is the Messiah, or maybe they haven't fully recognized that yet, they recognize that there's something about him that is special, that is powerful, and they immediately leave their nets. Now that's something else that I could say that our church does very well. And even in my short time here, I have seen so many opportunities when we have been presented with opportunities, big and small, to minister that you as a church, that we as a church, are so quick to listen 
to obey and to follow. And as I hear stories of things that our church has done throughout the years, that is a prevailing theme, that we are a church that is ready to go. Or a church that was ready to leave a building behind in Concord and move to this location and build this, these buildings on this property that we have gone uh, back into Concord and, and with Rise Again Ministries that was born out of this church and, and little things in between, we are ready to be obedient. That's one thing that we see in this. And then we are also given this image of what ministry looks like, this metaphor, this brief but some sort of parable about what ministry is. Now, Jesus in this passage is calling fishermen, and like any good metaphor, it speaks to what they know, but I believe it is also very applicable to us. He says to Peter and to Andrew, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, practically speaking, what these men are going to do as they follow Jesus has very little to what they did as actual fishermen, right? They are not going out in boats, although they sometimes were in boats, but they're not going in boats and throwing the same nets into the sea and physically, right, catching people. He's not calling them to join the Coast Guard, Right? And saying, listen, you're going to use a lot of the same practical skills, but you're going to be rescuing people that are drowning instead of catching fish. It's not a practical application of their current skill set. He doesn't say, you're still going to be on the same waters, you're still going to be fighting the same storms, you're still going to be doing a lot of the same things, but the subject matter is different. It is completely a metaphor. Their skill set is drastically different. The terminology that they use as fishermen, different knots and different strategies and types of nets, the language is completely different. They need to learn and articulate different things to be in ministry. Their schedules are different. They, uh, they talk about having fished all night, and there are some ministries that are done very well at night. Most sermons are better preached when people are awake. So note to some of you, sermons are better when you're awake. (laughs) Thanks. But it's a metaphor, right? And it's one that speaks to them because they're fishermen, but it's also one that shows up in three out of four of the Gospels. And over the past years, I've come back to this parable, this metaphor a lot, as I learn about how we as a church are meant to operate. Now, I am not a particularly adept fisherman, and that's probably even putting it lightly, uh, but because of that, because of my shortcomings as a fisherman, it actually helps me understand this a little better. Growing up, uh, I don't think growing up, my dad and I ever went fishing and caught a single thing. (laughs) Uh, I had a, a few small fishing trips with my dad. We'd go out to a beach or maybe take a small boat out and uh, you know, basically, we'd go out and we'd dig up some worms and we'd put them on a hook and we'd put a bobber on the end and we'd throw them out and we'd do the same thing that my dad had been doing since he was a kid. One of the things, especially at least in the areas where we fish, is there's a lot less fish around when I was a kid than when my dad was a kid. I know growing up in Vermont, that was the case. Um, there's, there's reasons for it. The rivers are differently. They don't dredge the rivers anymore. They're shallower. You really can't just throw a line in a river in Vermont and catch a fish anymore, which is itself a good metaphor for the church that ways we did ministry 40 years ago that caught fish don't work anymore. Right? No, they don't, Caleb. That's right. The younger generation understands that. You understand that. It's a bit of a side note, but it's important to remember. So we would go and we would do the worm on a hook, throw a bobber in the water, and and we would spend good time together. We weren't trying to do it to make a living. My mom never planned on us bringing dinner home. There was always some other type of meat thawing on the counter if we got home from fishing. It, it was fine, right? There was nothing wrong with it, but we were not particularly successful. 
A few years ago, I don't even remember the occasion, but my my dad and I and my uh, my two biological brothers, Sam and Danny, went on a fishing trip together. But this time, we hired a charter boat because we actually wanted to catch fish, which is a novel concept when you're fishing, I know. But we wanted to actually catch fish. So we went... Uh, we went down in Massachusetts towards Cape Cod, and we go, and we just paid some money and hired this boat, and it was this beautiful 21-foot-long fishing boat, two or three motors on the back of it, all the equipment we needed. We just showed up, brought snacks, and paid money, and he took us out. And what was interesting about it is compared to when we fish, the captain of this small fishing boat knew exactly where to go. We went to a very specific area a couple miles off the coast, And we used very specific bait and lures. And he told us exactly how far to let them drop in order to catch the fish we were looking for. And what was most impressive about this compared to the way we fish, not only did we actually catch fish, but he could tell us exactly what we were going to pull up with a pretty high degree of certainty that he would say, we are fishing for this type of of fish. I don't remember what it was because I'm a terrible fisherman. But the captain of the boat knew. And so everything about what we were doing, the time of day, the location we went to, the type of lure and bait, the depth, how we the the, the speed of the boat that we were trolling at, how we operated and manipulated the line, all of that was focused on catching one very specific type of fish, and nine times out of ten, that is exactly what we pulled up. Now, you can imagine if we had spent all of that money on hiring this charter fishing boat and put all of that, I think he probably filled up with four or five hundred dollars worth of gas in the boat before we went out, because you need to have more than enough gas when you're going two miles out in the ocean and running those two or three motors for an entire afternoon, all of the expense of that. If we had done all of that, and we got out there two miles into the Atlantic Ocean, and he handed us a Walmart fishing rod with a bright orange lure on the end and a couple of night crawlers that he had bought at the gas station and said, throw them in, see what happens. You can imagine that we probably would have been a bit disappointed, right? Because it would seem like an awful waste of all of that resource and the boat that probably cost over $100,000 and the hundreds of dollars in gas and the time and the money we had given him to, to go out there and just put a worm in the water and maybe catch some little minnow at the surface or something like that would be a gross waste of resources. And as I have read books on how to effectively lead churches and ministries and how to, as churches, work together to be effective. So many of the principles that are discussed in church leaders today, and this isn't just about church growth or or building our numbers, this is discipleship, this is life change, this is sanctification, this is in, in every area, it all comes back to this metaphor. You see, we as a church have incredible resources, especially here. We've recently had some guests on the property, and I'm going to talk about this in a few minutes. Um, but anytime I bring anyone into this building, it is, it is a treat for me as the pastor because people are so impressed by our facilities, how well we've taken care of them, the resources we have at our disposal And even if we didn't have really nice buildings, we have a lot of people in this room that are coming together to serve and to minister. And in the same way as taking a charter fishing boat out and just throwing a worm in the water, we as a church, if we are not focused, if we are not setting our eyes on a a common goal, we will be similarly ineffective. Now, in your personal ministries, and every single person in this room has a ministry, 
I don't care who you are. I don't care if you got saved 30 seconds ago. Everyone in this room has a ministry. And maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's your kids' friends and their parents. Maybe it's the people at the gas station that you stop at for your morning coffee every morning. Every one of you has a ministry. And in our personal ministries, it's okay just like it's okay for any of us to walk down to a river or a pond at the park and throw a line in, there's nothing wrong with that, to be a little less disciplined in those times. And in fact, we should be. Sometimes we should just be going out into the world and throwing love everywhere we can and seeing who happens to walk across our path. And we don't know what type of fish it's going to be and what type of person and what type of circumstance But that's appropriate, that's helpful, that's beneficial. But as a church, we need to be focused. We need to say this is, this is the person. This is the type of person or this is the area. This is where God has called us to focus and to fish. We talked about this at our board meeting a week and a half ago and someone threw out uh, that often Often fishing companies will have a whole fleet of boats, and that's absolutely true. And in fact, God has a fleet of fishing boats, and it's called denominations. It's called different churches. There are other churches in Loudoun. There are other churches in Concord. And this is where we all gather, that we come together. This is the connection that some churches are more liturgical and more formal, and they are seeking a certain type of fish. They serve a certain type of person. There are other churches that are very, very modern. I remember reading about a movement in college called the Emergent Church, and these churches that were at least physically, they were, they were um, known for their non-traditional worship spaces where they would have just a room set up with couches in a circle, Right? Not, not looking to the front, not formal structure in the seating, just unbelievably casual. And those churches reach a different type of person. And all of the churches that God has come together as a part of what this passage points to is God's fleet of fishing boats, if you will, to do different things. And what that means is we as a church need, at times, to let some fish swim by. That's where this gets difficult. That we as a church need to sometimes let fish swim by. That when I was out on that charter fishing boat and we had said, look, I think I see a tuna over there, he would have said, look, we're not set up for tuna. When I left this morning, I didn't bring any of, any of the proper equipment or bait or anything needed to, to go after that type of fish. So even if it's right there and you can see it, we're not equipped for it. We're not called for it. We're going to focus on what we are called for. And those are the areas in the church where things get difficult. Now, does that mean that we never respond to needs that are outside of what we have determined Absolutely not. I'm going to try and not get off track. Obviously, there are exceptions to every rule, but as a church, generally, we are most effective when we know exactly what God has called us to do, and we unify ourselves around that purpose. Now, Jesus himself did that, and let me give you another example, again, from the Gospel of Matthew. This was the second half of our passage last week. In Matthew chapter 17, Nope, wrong page. 15, I flipped too far. We see a Canaanite woman who comes out and he, she says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. An interesting thing to call him, given David's relationship with the nations around Israel. She won't go away. His disciples come and say, Send her away. And he answers, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, if you know the story, you know that he has this little dialogue and this back and forth with her, and he ends up providing healing. But in this passage, Jesus specifically states his mission and purpose. And also when he sends the disciples out for the first time, he sends them to preach only to the people of Israel. And so we see this principle in the very ministry of Jesus. We see this demonstrated more... um, 
more and more throughout the gospel of Acts. The apostle Paul was sent to the Gentiles. Now, Paul was a former Pharisee. He could have been sent to the Pharisees, but he wasn't. He was sent to the people outside of Israel. That was his specific mission and purpose, was to reach the Gentiles. And so all throughout the New Testament, beginning with Jesus and just never ending, we see this idea of focus, of a degree of discipline in seeking to go in a specific direction to serve specific people. So your board has begun to pray about what that looks like. And again, it's, this is not a problem that we have. This isn't a, I don't want this to come across as me seeing anything bad in our church. This is an opportunity that we have to take what we've been doing and make it even more effective. All of these ministries, all of these areas we've served to bring them together in focus. I'm not saying that we should get rid of anything, that there's anything I think that we should necessarily stop doing, I'm simply calling us to perhaps do it with a bit more intentionality. So the first question in what our, uh, our leadership will be walking through this year, the question I posed to them at our board meeting last Thursday was this. As a church, as a church, as a people who minister together, what is our city? And not necessarily the city where we draw members and congregants. And I know that so many of you within this room are from a a very wide variety of places. Some of you drive 30 or 40 minutes to get here. But what is the area that God has called us to influence as a church? What is the area that God has called us to serve as a church? So I posed that question to our leadership team. I had no, I had some ideas of where we might go, but I had no agenda, no preference personally. I wasn't sure if it would be geographic or perhaps uh, something less about location and maybe a subgroup of people. No clue. I started the discussion. I said in the middle of it with them, I don't, expect us, and I'm definitely not demanding any sort of answer this meeting, this may be a discussion that we have for six months before we come to any sort of agreement. And soon after I said that, it became clear that the Spirit was speaking and people were listening. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, When it's apparent that that's what's happening, it's people say things that are out of character or out of their common voice. Have you ever noticed that? When the the quietest person you know walks up to you and says, you need to stop what you're doing, you listen, right? Because you know that when the bossiest person you know comes up to you and says, you need to stop what you're doing, you maybe listen or you maybe don't, right? But when the quietest person says it, You know it's coming from someone else. And that happened a number of times, and many things were said, and I'd encourage you to talk with one of our board members about the discussion if you have any questions about it. But by the end of the meeting, to my surprise, and through no, as far as I I believe, no pressure of my own, your church board felt very, very strongly that we are called as a church to turn our focus to the town of Loudoun. This town that has been our mailing address for 20 years or so that we've had some interaction with over the years and we've done floats and things with Old Home Day. But we've also, as a church that was planted in Concord, turned a lot of our attention in ministry, at least direct ministry, to the city of Concord. But we were feeling very, very strongly, so clearly, that I, to my surprise, at the end of this discussion said, it sounds like we're in agreement and it sounds like we're ready to write this down. We're called to the town of Loudoun. And there was peace and there was agreement in that. It It was a tremendous discussion to be a part of. And it wasn't about logistics. I mean, there were some logistics thrown out here and there, but it wasn't about logistics. It wasn't about strategy. It was just about listening. 
And again, that doesn't mean that we're never going to do anything that isn't in the confines of the town of Loudoun. It means as a church, especially with our kind of ongoing ministries, that that will be our focus. That's what we will come together to do. Now, along with that, along with how I opened this, I need to mention something, an area where I have not done a tremendous job. As I have come in as the pastor in one of my roles is to make sure that we are connected, that you're aware of ministry opportunities, ways you can serve or be served and keep us connected and on the same page. I've been working to figure out how to do that as I try to wrap my own head around all of the things that we're doing in the areas we're serving, the directions we're going. And uh, one of the things that we've tried, Denise and I have worked on this together, is to give a little bit less information every Sunday, but do it in such a way that it's a little easier to remember, more impactful. And there have been some very good successes in that, and there's also been a couple areas where I'm now realizing that I'm getting behind and trying to catch up and missing things. So I apologize for that. I take responsibility for that. So a little bit of the next five to 10 minutes as we come to the close of our service is going to just be catching us up a little bit, especially since there's some things coming up that we could really use some help with. Um, Get us all on the same page, (laughs) caught up a little bit, but in a way that also gives you something to pray about as our church moves forward. The first thing, and this is mostly just information that you need to have as a church, is something that was really interesting when it happened in the timing of it this week. So we had our meeting two Thursdays ago that I just shared with you. And we came out of that saying, we feel distinctly that God is calling us to serve in the town of Loudoun and serve the people of the town of Loudoun. And so we will begin in the future as we move forward, to look for opportunities to serve the people and the families of Loudoun. That was on Thursday. Sunday night and, and Monday, so four days later, I got a phone call, as did Phyllis, from a local charter school that's opening a mile and a half down the road from our church. And they have discovered, the school was kind of officially formed in December and January of last year. And in that time since, they have purchased a property, they have excavated the entire property, laid, uh, done the groundwork for foundations, renovated uh, in its entirety a house and added an addition to the back of it. But primarily because of some things with the fire suppression system, it's not ready to move into, and they start school in two weeks. So they came to us in a bit of desperation and said, we need a place to start this school. And there were some other alternatives, but they were farther out of town. They were less ideal. They were less secure. Uh, And so our board went to prayer about it. We had some meetings. We had some discussions, and we agreed especially because of the timing that this was where God was leading us at this time. So for the next few months, and we're still working out details, uh, but for the next few months, we're going to have part of our local public school system meeting in our South Building. Now, I know that there are plenty of concerns that you could have, and you're welcome to talk with me, talk with Niles and Deb about those. The three of us were the ones that that actually met with their school board this week. We're aware of a lot of the concerns. If you're worried we might have missed some, feel free to chat with us about it. Here's what it comes down to for me. There's two things. One, what happened last week at our board meeting and that this conversation happened four days after. Just that was a pretty clear indicator that this is somewhere where God is leading us. And I don't have to know all the logistics, and I'm a, I'm a worrier and an overthinker, and I always think of plenty of things that can go wrong. I've learned in my life that when God speaks, I don't have to have all the answers. 
So if we're clear, if we're positive, if we're confident that God is speaking, even if all of the logistics aren't worked out, we walk. That's my policy. The other is this. And we can, we can talk about what types of people and teachers they have or talk about specifics of their curriculum and whether or not that may or may not match up with our faith. Here's the thing. There's so much discussion, right? We talk about how, well, maybe the problem with the schools is that they've pushed prayer out. Maybe the problem with the schools is that the church is not allowed in the doors anymore. Whenever we talk to our teenagers at at camps, uh, at at Ithiel Falls, our president is a, a middle school science teacher. He always shares this. He says, look, guys, I do all the good I can in the school as a teacher to love my kids and show them how Jesus loves them, but I'm not allowed to identify that that's what I'm doing, but you can. He says, I can't preach in school, but you can. And so we essentially are relying at this point on our elementary and high school kids in the church to be the voice for Jesus in the schools because the church is not allowed in schools anymore. And we've just been given an opportunity, not just for our church to enter the school, but we're going so far in the other direction that the school is coming to us. And I don't care what they're teaching to be perfectly... There, there may be a point where I care a little bit what they're teaching, but for the most part, I'm not as worried about what they're teaching. I was in the building two days ago, and I walked into the men's room, and we have Scripture stenciled on the wall. That's not going anywhere. I suppose they could put like a poster over it while they're in the building. Frankly, if they did, just so we're all on the same page, I don't know that I'd even have a problem with that because it is a public school system. We can talk about it later. I don't want to get myself into trouble, just thinking out loud. But our kids are going to go into a building where we can show up early and pray for every room that those kids are going to sit in. You know what would happen if we tried to go to a public school system and say, hey, we'd like our prayer team to come in every morning and pray for your students. Before they get there, nobody has to know. Even that, depending on the school system and who your superintendent is, maybe we'd be allowed to do that, or maybe we wouldn't. But it's our building. What an opportunity that is. What an opportunity to serve our community. Now, they are going to be providing some, uh, some financial, um, they're, they're, they're going to be paying for the space. They're going to be providing financially for us as they do this. But we also came up with a number that was half of what they offered, which we think will be just enough to cover our expenses and how much we pay for electricity and heat and things like that. But half of what, half of what they offered, because we want to serve our community. So I say that to let you know that that's going to be happening, that there's going to be a lot of cars in the parking lot, especially around 7.30 in the morning and 3.15 in the afternoon. There's going to be Loudon Town school buses, at least one of them for a few of the kids coming through our parking lot. So if you come during those times or during the day, it's going to look a little bit different than it usually looks. And, and we're going to have to have some degree of regulation just for security and for the school. Uh, they've assured us that we don't need to stop any of our operations to accommodate. We're still allowed to use our building, but we will probably offer some degree of something like maybe if you're going to go into that building, check in in my office first. I don't know. Just keep those things in mind. We want to be respectful and we want to be as giving as we can be. But that's but that's where we're headed. That's what we're going to be doing from probably now until Christmas, um, this first half of the school year. Uh, and I'm a little terrified, <laughs> but mostly excited about the opportunity. Uh, and I'm really excited that it seems like God is speaking, and not to me. It's none, of, none of this came from me. I wasn't going to say Loudon. My heart shifted halfway through that meeting. It happened very clearly and distinctly. I remember the feeling of it. 
My heart shifted in line with where God was leading us. I didn't call the school. They didn't contact me first. They contacted Phyllis first. This isn't me. This is where we feel we're being led. We also talked in our board meeting about how we are, at times, very busy at a church. It seems like we just finish the last thing and we're on to the next one, or we just get the volunteers for one thing and something else comes up. And so we're going to be working over the next year again to not necessarily get rid of things, but find better ways to organize ourselves as a church, have better chains and flows of communication, the timing of when things happen, things like that, finding common goals and purposes that can better streamline and just help us to focus and understand what we're doing because we don't want to feel tired. I don't want to feel tired all the time. You don't want to feel tired all the time. And so right now we're in a bit of a <laughs> we're in a bit of a limbo phase and I recognize that on the one end I'm saying we are at least at least as it impacts me I'm and I, and I can say in confidence today this moment I'm out of balance. I'm going to take a little extra time off in the coming week. I had one day off this last week and I spent it driving to Eastern Nazarene College, moving my daughter in trying to get her computer set up, <laughs> all of these things, and then driving home last night. And that was my break for the week. So I need to, I need to balance that a little bit. I understand that saying that and also saying, and by the way, we're going to have 50 or 60 students plus teachers in our building five days a week for the next three or four months is a little contradictory. But where we want to be as a church is where we can say yes to things without it overburdening us. That's what God calls us to in our personal lives as well, that we need enough space that we can add something. It's funny, as a, a family of, of six, Rachel and I have spent a lot of time learning how to better organize our home over the past few years. And, uh, and so I'll, you know, I read articles or watch videos on organizing, and it's amazing how many of the things work in both scenarios. Organizing a workshop or a craft room or a kitchen is a lot like organizing our lives and organizing our church. One of the principles in organization is there should always be open space. You should always have room in your kitchen that if you buy one more kitchen utensil, you can bring it home and put it away because there's space on a shelf. You should always have room on your bookshelf that you can go and buy a few books and you don't have to just cram them in on top of something else, right? That's what leads to an organized house. And our lives should reflect that. If you have an opportunity to serve one, someone, help someone, and you say, man, I'm guilty of this, right? So this is, I'm preaching to myself. If, if we are in places where we have to say, well, I'd love to help, just give me a month and a half, we're a little full. As a church, we should be able to say, Yes, we'd love to help and serve in this area where God is calling us to help and serve without us overburdening and being overburdened. And I don't think that we're necessarily quite there because I'm thinking about all that I have to do in the next two weeks and adding working with our board and finance committee to write a contract for the use of our building for a school doesn't quite fit in the schedule. Luckily, I've got some examples from other churches so we're not there. The next few weeks and month is going to be a little crazy. But I also don't feel that we should say no to an opportunity to serve just because we're not quite where we should be. So we're all just kind of going to admit together that the next month is going to be a little hectic. And we're going to work to grow, to be led and directed following that. So a few other things that are happening just to get us all caught up. Uh, first of all, Denise and Tim. Love Denise and Tim. Uh, we spent the night at their house early on, one of, I think it was the first weekend that our family came down as a family uh, to be here for Sunday morning. We spent the night at Denise and Tim's house and got to know them, and our kids connected with them so well. Uh, they were such a huge part of our kids being able to come to church here and see familiar faces and transition so well. And Denise and Tim are going to be moving 
to Massachusetts. Do you have a move date yet? September 30th. September 30th. So end of September, they're going to be they're going to be leaving and moving down to Massachusetts to be near Denise's family. We're going to miss them. Uh, we are going to have one last Friday night fire. Rachel and I are going to host it at our house this Friday at, what time do we do this? 7.30? 7? I'm so bad with times. 7 o'clock at our house. If you need directions, we can get them for you. Uh, and that's going to both be our, our last Friday night fire of the summer, uh, just to celebrate going back to school, but also to celebrate Denise and Tim and for the work they've done with things like Friday Night Fire and coffee and fellowship after church and all of the other things that they do. Uh, so we'd love for you to come on out and, uh, and join us uh, for that. It's also the first event that we are uh, officially hosting at our house since we've been here, other than getting you to carry all of our stuff upstairs, uh, which doesn't, it's not like our our, our goal in a, in a hosting event. Uh, so we'd love to have you, Rachel and I would love to have you personally at that. Uh, along with that, this is now the third board member that we've uh, had move away since I've been here. Wonderful welcome to the church for me. Uh, and when Mike and Cindy left, we, we didn't elect new board members. We did form our grounds team a few weeks ago, which was going wonderfully, just for everyone to know. We had uh, our first Saturday morning grounds team meeting and workday a couple weeks ago. We got a lot of stuff done. It's going great. Um, but with Denise leaving, we're going to need to, first of all, bring in some more workers for the steward team um, and for things like helping out with potlucks and just the coffee after church and things like that. Uh, and we're going to need to bring, probably before the next fiscal year, some people into leadership and at least a couple new board members. So be praying about that and where God may be leading you in any of those areas, whether in a leadership role or just a servant helper role. Um, that's something we need to figure out. Also, we have coming up in just like a couple weeks now. What's the date today? It's the 27th? All right. We have the our annual Reach the Beach. How many have served or helped out with the Reach the Beach fundraiser before few of you uh so we do this every year we have we are a stop for a relay race uh that goes from uh up north i think at Atash resort and it goes all the way down to hampton beach uh it's a 24-hour relay race and we are a stop where vans come in with runners in the back and they sleep for half an hour to an hour and then they switch runners and they rest and they get food uh, in our location and it's first of all a really good fundraiser for us and we are able to raise a lot of money to send kids to nyc uh, it's also a great way to be present in the community uh, it was interesting to me as i read through all of the locations on the list for this we are the only church on the whole list we are, we, are the, we are the representatives, we are the placeholder for the, for the church of God. And so I think it's really great, um, and as, a, as someone who's done some running in the past, I did one marathon once and then never did it again. Um, I've done some running and I know how important encouragement is, and I know how important those people that were cheering me on when I was running were to me and what that meant. Uh, and as a church, I think we should be able to confidently say that we can do encouragement and support better than anybody else. Uh, I think it's a wonderful ministry. But we need some help. We need to, we need to staff that. We have, uh, there's a, a few different things, and not all of them involve staying up all night because we are uh, actually just shifted it a little bit more. We're now from 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. Uh, so a slight change, but they, they did that this week as they're just figuring out where all of their locations are. Uh, so you don't necessarily have to stay up from 2 a.m. to 10 a.m., but certainly if you're able, we need people there. Um, night of, we need people here, both up in the concessions area selling food and drinks uh, and, and that side of things. We also need people helping direct traffic, making sure runners don't get run over by vans because you have exhausted runners and tired drivers driving 8,000-pound, you know, houses basically and there's a lot of ways that can go wrong uh, so we need people helping with directing traffic uh, also if you're not up for being awake from 2 to 10 which i hope i am but it's been a little while so we're, we're gonna see um 
there's a lot of other things you can help with. We need to get food prepared to sell beforehand. Um, I know last year, Cindy did a huge thing of pulled pork. So we had a, just a giant thing of protein um, to sell. So Deb is going to be in charge of the food side of things. So if you can do food beforehand and if you can cook, uh, talk to Deb. We're also going to need plenty of help from people both before and after with setup and teardown and and clean up and things like that. And so that'll happen the evening before and after 10 in the morning on Saturday. So you don't have to stay up all night for those things. Um, so we need help with that. And I've been talking with Cindy about it all through the summer. I've been in contact with the, our liaisons with the organization and at the race to kind of keep my head wrapped around what we need to be doing, uh, but it's also coming right up because it's September 15th, which is in just a couple weeks. Um, so I don't think we're at a point where we're too behind as far as the logistics and, you know, we don't need to start cooking yet, but, uh, but we do need to get our lists nailed down and things like that. And yes, next year, I will not be announcing this two weeks beforehand. Right? This is not the goal for me, and I struggle with this because I don't want to operate this way, but for this year, this is just kind of the way it is, but I need your help. We need your help. This is something we've committed to doing, and um, no matter what for this year, we've, we've committed to doing it, and I think that we should show up and give it our all as much as we possibly, possibly can. Uh, and then I think that like everything that we should we do as a church, we should ask ourselves regularly, are we still called to this? I have no indication that we're not called to this anymore. None whatsoever. Just as a general rule, let's keep following and keep listening. But right now, that's not the discussion. Right the now is, how are we going to make this happen? How are we going to make it work? And I'm confident, and I know those of you who have done it before, I know it's been very enjoyable, something you've loved to do. Um, and we've loved coming together as a church to do this. Uh, so if, uh, if you're willing, or able to, willing and able to help with that, um, I forgot to actually get a clipboard, and my wife ran away. Okay. Deb, can you get a clipboard? See, Deb, oh, or Denise, you guys can fight it. They'll figure it out. One of those two, or both of them, will be in the lobby after. Put your name down, put down your email address, um, maybe even stick around and just let's chat a little bit afterwards. I don't know. I don't have a plan. I'm drove my t daughter to college yesterday. <laughs> I have no, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, thanks, Alan. I appreciate, I appreciate Alan laughing at my jokes so much. Uh, I, I, and that's a, a completely honest statement. Um, so that's coming up and it's going to be crazy, but we're going to make it work. Right? Because that's what we do as a church. Um, and as we move forward, we're going to look at all of the things that we've been doing. Things like Reach the Beach, things like Rise Again. We're going to find common denominators. What are the things that are common that God calls us to do? Why is it that we're drawn to the things that we've been drawn to in the past? And how can that help us to better understand where we're going in the future? When we got the call from Benjamin Franklin Academy this week, it was really a whole lot simpler than it could have been. If we had gotten a call from a, a charter school that was in, um, in Manchester or that was in Alton Bay or somewhere else, it would have been a lot more difficult to have that discussion. But because it was Loudoun, it was so much simpler. It was so much clearer that it was at least something to consider seriously, right? And ultimately, that's a, a big piece of this, is just simplifying, making it easier to understand where God is leading us. I probably still forgot some things. Um, we do have Sunday school starting up soon in just a couple weeks. We'll talk more about that next week. I'm not going to bite that one off today. We are aware of it. There will be information coming. Um, but that's what we got for right now. Hopefully we're mostly caught up. <laughs> Hopefully I haven't missed too much. Also, Phyllis was on vacation this week. Worship team, I had service orders for you. I left them in my bag. They were very helpful for you at the front here. The whole service, I apologize for that. Um, 
I think that's it. We got one more thing today. Pastor John's going to come. He's going to share a need that we were presented with. It's not in Loudon, but that's okay. Um, this is an opportunity that I think we have to just go crazy and let's let's serve. And uh, I'll let you go ahead, John. Okay, I'm here to uh, represent the missions team because none of them are here today. But before I can fill in for missions, I got to stand here for a minute as John White, the pastor. Can I do that just for maybe? 90 seconds. One of them is this. Pastor Eddie's sermon, he started off, well, it wasn't really a sermon, but it was somewhere in between, but he started off with the story of being fishers of men. Um, Pastor of the Church of the Nazarene in the, oh, for crying out loud, I can't remember the name of the town in Pennsylvania. His theme, his phrase he uses constantly is this, if you ain't catching, you ain't fishing. Just think about that theologically, would you? If you're not fishing, if you're not catching, you're not fishing. And then he talked about the building and how good it looks and everything. I don't know that you've been given an update at any point, but the week before Pastor Eddie came, I stood up here and did a fundraiser, a building fund fundraiser. We hoped we could raise around $40,000 over the course of the year. The last number I was given is we already have raised cash in hand. That's why the roof has been done and why other things have been done. $68,000. Yeah, give yourself a hand. Yeah, that's, you know, so far over the top. And then maybe one more. Come on, I'm the pastor. You know, I've been a pastor all my whole life. Things just resonate with me. When Pastor Eddie said about this charter school coming and the discussion and four days later and so forth, just before the service started, Patrick says to me, is it luck or is it God's will when certain things happen to us? Come on, just think about that one a little bit too, will you? I don't have to preach it. I just give you the the peace and you think about it, that's all. Now, the reason why I'm here is this. Something was presented to me this week, and I've got to get my Bible off of here and get, come on. From my son-in-law, Jesse. Hey, John. I learned of an engineering student named Matthew at ENC who needs some financial help to finish his degree. He grew up on the streets in Uganda before making his way to an orphanage that his grandmother ran. By some miracle, he got a sponsor who supported his education, and he made his way to Eastern Nazarene College. Because of COVID, his sponsor has lost his business and is no longer able to support him, and his grandmother died last year. Matthew has no living family on the face of the earth. No brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, nobody. They're all dead. He has a GPA of 3.74 and is also a resident assistant. He is working really hard on campus to save up money, but it's just not enough to pay for everything. The school has already maxed out all of his financial aid trying to help him. I'm trying to help with some alumni to see if we can raise $5,000 to allow him to stay in school this year. He will be a junior. Would Loudon Nazarene be interested in joining me and Krista to support him? If not, that's fine. But I just wanted you to know about this opportunity. If he cannot have the $5,000 committed into his account uh, within the next week, he is going to be asked to leave school and to return to Uganda, where he has nothing. He has no home to go to. He has no family to go to. He has no work to go to. But he has no support here. And because of his visa regulations as a student, if he's not a student, he must return home. 
You get that picture, right? As an international student, he does not qualify for much of the student aid that American students would get. He just can't get it. Uh, the college has worked with him deeply. Uh, his actual bill at the moment is $8,800, but the college is able to work with him to get that down to 5000 That's after other scholarships and things that the college has been able to give him. That's going to be through some additional work they're allowing him to do on campus to help with his, to get that down. So they, they've already brought it down by $3,800 more. I know that the missions team has said that they would like to help support this and to bring it, and they were asked, this has just been sudden, just to bring it to you and ask if you would give an offering today or you would commit to something within the next week or so. We've got some offering plates at the back, and I've got some three-by-five cards here. This is not a pledge or anything else that you need to put a name on, but if you would like to be able to give to Matthew and you can't do it today, just so we would be able to let Eastern Nazarene College know tomorrow. Today we raised X number of dollars cash, and other people have said they don't have a checkbook with them today, but they're going to bring a check in next week or whatever. If you would just stick that in the offering plate. Does that make sense? Have I said enough? Make it out to Church of the Nazarene. Loudon, yep, our church, and just put in the in the memo line Matthew. That way you get a contributions tax write-off. If you were to write it out to him specifically at Eastern Nazarene College, that is, that is just a, a gift you're giving to a person. You don't get any contributions receipt. I have cleared that. That is correct, okay? But if you make it out to the church, we send one check off in his name, the church isn't looking for a contributions receipt, but you can get it. That's a charitable giving for you. We've got some offering plates at the back. I'm going to ask two former Nazarene, Eastern Nazarene College students and two more over there to cover the doors. Come on, get up here. Come on. Here's some cards. Just pass them out, and there's plates back there. And if you are willing and able, put some cash in today, or if you think you want to write a check out for next week or something or other or get it to the church this week, uh, just so that you know, the plates are on the chairs back there, I believe. There we go. Okay? One more thing. Next Sunday, after the service, Julie and I are doing an open house at our house, as we've done many years now, on uh, Labor Day Sunday. If you want to come up to our house for a picnic... Uh, we'll provide the hamburgers, hot dogs, and the hot and cold drinks, and you bring the rest of the food, or you're only going to get a hamburger or a hot dog. But after the service next Sunday, come on up to our place. There's a sign-up on the board out there if you'd sign up so we have some idea of how many thousands of hamburgers we need to buy. Okay? Lord be with you. Well, I'll pray for us, then we'll, then we'll leave, since you all stayed in your seats. Father, we are grateful to be here in this place, to gather as your church, and uh, grateful, Lord, that it's not always the same, that we are here to do what we're called to do, not to put on a show, not to put on a performance, not... God, if there's one thing that I want people to come to expect in this place that we're gonna, is that we're going to listen to you. More than any style of preaching, that we expect that we come to this place and we listen and we're faithful. I want people to expect that we come and we serve in a multitude of ways. And we've just been called to serve through our finances. We've also been reminded of how abundantly you've blessed us in this place. And so, Lord, as we give, may we remember that what we in the church call giving faithfully, often the world would call giving irresponsibly. But we, call, we are called to listen. We know that everything that we have is from you. And I put no pressure on anyone. I don't push people to give. I just push us to listen. 
So I pray that we do that, and I pray that we are able to bless this young man and show him that he is loved, that no amount of money that we can ever give to him is going to make his life easy. So we give faithfully as you have called us. As we go this week, may we serve in all that we do. May we be your people, spreading your love to a broken world. We love you, Lord, and we ask these things in your name. Amen.